0: Welcome to The Commentary, a weekly conversation about vision, worship, and life at Grace Presbyterian Church. I'm Mark Bertrand, the pastor of Grace, and I'm joined in the studio once again by my co-commenter, Cameron Brooks. Cameron is back from Florida, just in time to discover that his poem, Forbearance, is the winner of the South Dakota State Poetry Society's 2022 contest. He won in the portrait category. It's a well-deserved honor. In this episode, Cameron helps me unpack some of the practical implications of Grace's vision. Good things are running wild at our church, and that means we have important decisions on the horizon. At times like this, it's a good idea to remember what it's all about.
1: Well, we have some good news and some bad news to start this episode with. The good news is that Grace is searching for a new worship space because we've just about outgrown the one we're currently at, by God's grace. The bad news is that we're searching for a new worship space in Sioux Falls (laughs) where there's not only competition, but a scarcity of, of resources at times, it feels like. So, Pastor Mark, we've been in this process before COVID, sort of. It kind of started, and then that slowed us down. Here we are again. There's a a little bit of new energy going on in the church about this idea of a new worship space, and I'd like to talk about it in this episode, how we should think practically about a space, how we should think theologically about a space, and anything else. So, first question for you is just generally what's going on in your mind when you're thinking at a high level about we need to relocate as a as a church
0: we're we're in an interesting place right now and it's an awkward place for me as a pastor because from Sunday to Sunday, I'll sometimes find myself hoping before church that not everybody shows up. And I think you're meant to be hoping everybody does show up. And then some. Right. It's just that sense that, that we have a limited capacity and there's that dynamic where when you've reached a certain amount of fullness, it's difficult to pack more people in. Right. And so it becomes a, a limit on how much a church service, and by extension, the, the ministry of reach of the church, can extend. And so, yes, before the pandemic, that was something we were facing. We needed to find a, a new location. And it's tough because the place where we're at right now has been so good to us. Uh, we have space inside the FCA building, and it has been a wonderful place, a home for grace. And so on the one hand, we want to find a sanctuary space that's larger, but on the other hand, we don't want in the transition to lose what we've built over time in terms of who we are as a church, uh, how we worship, things like that. So it is, I think... Exactly what you described, where it it feels as if, you know, it's good news slash bad news yeah. because there there seem to be so many questions to think through. And one of the things we say for the commentary is that this is a podcast about vision, worship, and life at Grace Presbyterian Church. And I think this is one of those things that falls under the heading of vision, ironically, mm. because although people think of the question of space as as primarily just a practical one, Space does have an impact on everything in the life of the church, and it's something you, you need to think about and be conscious of because if you're not, then it shapes you in ways that you're not aware of. And so anytime there's something that's going to be a shaping influence in our communal life, I think it's good for us to, to think about it out in the open rather than just having it do its work without us being aware of it. Right. Because the church itself,
1: while, you know, we're talking about the church proper as individuals, like the body of Christ is more than just a building, right? The building does matter is what we're saying. Like the, the, the physicality of where we worship impacts how we worship can, you know, can encourage certain behaviors and inclinations or discourage those. And so maybe that gets us to a first question is, is, is the, the church, the physical church building more than aesthetics?
0: Hmm. Yeah. So I think it is. Yeah. And yet I, I'm reluctant to accept the phrase more than aesthetics yeah. <laughs> because I think it, it, suggests a frivolity to aesthetics that from a Christian standpoint, isn't really the case. So again, you know, we are modern 21st century people in the United States. We tend to be very utilitarian when it comes to questions like this. Mm -hmm. So for most people, I think the question of a worship space is primarily one of size. Right? That that it needs to accommodate the maximum number of people. However, there are other factors, right? When you think about what it is that we do in worship, you begin to see that the, the act of worship can be supported or undermined by the kind of space that it takes place in. Mm-hmm. I, I like though your instinct to separate the question of like, like space from the question of a building. Yeah. Right. Because the space that the church worships in doesn't have to be a building. Yeah. It could be, you know, out in a park. It could be, you know, there's so many different Mm -hmm. forms that that can take that gathering of people and becoming fixated on the idea of the church as a building is definitely a pitfall that we want to avoid, right? And certainly for us as a church that's looking to potentially move from one building to another, one kind of space to another kind of space, we definitely don't want to identify too much with the physical space itself. And yet we have to be aware of the fact that the physical space influences the act of worship. Yeah. And, and also that the choices that you make about that space reveal things like assumptions that you have about the church and about worship Mm -hmm. and and that's the part actually where for me like that realization was what opened my eyes i would say that i probably had a transformation like one that many people have experienced of going from being a utilitarian to being a something else and i'm not sure how to label that something else but but I'll give you an idea of how this happened. So um, I don't know that I ever thought about church buildings. Mm-hmm. I, you know, grew up knowing some church buildings were nicer than others. You know, some looked like, you know, cathedrals and others like little wooden churches, you know, very, very modest, whatever. But, But at the point where I started seeing a lot more church buildings that were indistinguishable from other kinds of buildings, you know, just big boxes that that could hold a lot of people. I don't know that I ever thought anything about that one way or another. If anything maybe I thought it was cool, you know, that oh, that could be a church, you know, that's just a big um, you know, brick building or a big glass building or whatever and you could have a church in there mm-hmm. or, you know, it could be a Best Buy or it could be a movie theater, whatever. Uh that's kind of neat. At a certain point, though, I was attending a conference, and because I'm not a good pre-planner, I had this idea I was going to go to one breakout session, and I found myself accidentally going to the other one because I misidentified the speakers. When I when I ducked my head in, I saw a guy up at the table, and I I thought he was Leland Riken and he wasn't. And so I went in and sat in on what turned out to be a, a kind of breakout session on architecture, And the guy who was speaking was Thomas Gordon Smith, and he was a proponent of new classicism. And so he was talking about, uh, as an architect, being commissioned to build church buildings. And his great frustration was that he wanted to build beautiful church buildings that were informed by the tradition of architecture in the church, but that modern churches did not want that that what they wanted was essentially commercial space, that they wanted big boxes that they could pack more people into, multi-use spaces that could be used for a variety of different things. And over the course of that dialogue, I found my eyes opening to something, where at the beginning I think I would have sympathized with the utilitarian. By the end, I I was consciously on the other side, I was aware of something I'd never seen before, which was that the church's decisions about the space not only had an internal relevance, but also an external. That they were not just sending a message to the people inside the building, but they were sending a message to the people outside. Do hmm. If you think about that big commercial box, right, that's so practical, looking... At it from the outside, there's no way really to know, apart from signage, what's happening within, Mm -hmm. right? It it could be anything. (laughs) Any kind of people could be gathered in that space. But if they're gathered there, you know one thing about those people, which is that they're utilitarian. They're practical, Right. right? That's not true historically for church buildings, though. If you drive around our town, for example, I can think of one example of a tattoo parlor that is clearly in what was once a church building. And I'm happy to report it's now a church building again, but, okay. but for a long time it was a tattoo parlor. Yeah. And you have to ask yourself, how did you know this? Like, how did you know that this had been a church and became something else? Well, by looking at the building. It was clearly a church building. It, actually, the weekend after I was at Thomas Gordon Smith's talk, I was sitting in traffic in West Houston and... uh I looked up over the intersection above the red lights, and I saw this copper dome gleaming in the Houston sun. And I had no idea, but at this intersection, there was this uh, Coptic church that was located there, and it's just a little storefront church. But they had gone through the trouble of of putting a dome nice on top and marking it. And it struck me that I happened to know that sitting at that intersection, I was within you know half a mile of several big box evangelical churches whose membership roles, if they have them, would have numbered, you know, in the thousands, mm-hmm. much more than this little church. But as I sat at that intersection, the only visual proclamation of Christ's presence was coming from this tiny congregation of Coptic Christians mm-hmm. right at the corner because of that structure. Yeah. So again, it it kind of, led me to believe that there were another set of questions, not purely aesthetic, like not just right. wouldn't it be nice to have a pretty building, but that forced me to think about what the form of the building communicated. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hearing
1: you say the utilitarian approach is all about efficiency, practicality. So we can make a really simple church, maybe a huge box church and fit as many people in. Heck, a football stadium might be great. Right. (laughs) On the other hand, you've got this other approach, and you're saying that the external, the appearance of the church building itself can proclaim something about what goes on on the inside and hopefully about the inside of the people's hearts there too. So what is the value of that proclamation, though? I think that's the next question. What does that actually do for you, say, when you're
0: sitting there in Houston traffic? I think it has... It has two values. One is the value of what it says to the world around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has an apologetic value, mm-hmm. a proclamation. Like I was saying earlier, this is, uh, this is essentially, you know, when we talk about the sacraments as visible signs, right. this is a way of thinking of the, the physical space of the church as something similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that there is this architecture that is unmistakably Christian, regardless of what happens to it in the future I think has a value Mm -hmm. in our culture. There's also an internal value, though. There's a value for the people who worship there, I think, that it helps to inform and shape what takes place there. If you think about the analogy, just think about the inside of the building. So at Grace, if you worship at Grace, you are conscious of the fact that we have a building externally that is essentially an office building. And when you enter into it, It's like entering into an office building. But when you enter into this sanctuary, there's something that, depending on your frame of mind, it's either uh, bizarrely schizophrenic or beautifully subversive (laughs) because you're entering into this office space and suddenly there's this effort to turn it into liturgical space, like a place suited to worship, a chapel, if you will. And that is the result of choices that we made as a church that you could file under the, the, the aesthetic column, but I would say they're aesthetic in the most meaningful sense, so that when people talk about worship at Grace, it's not just the experience of worship or the liturgy. There's also something about the physical space that, that makes up what worship at grace is despite the fact that the physical space didn't start off being very conducive to worship at all. Right. And still, you know, we would acknowledge there's, there's some limitations there. And yet a lot of people who worship with us would, would say that the aesthetic of that space, even the beauty of that space contributes greatly to the experience of worship. Hmm. So what's true on the inside I think it's true in the outside as well. Mm-hmm. And that also I think helps to illustrate another aspect of vision which is that that in whenever you're articulating vision you're always thinking in ideal terms and then you're having to sort of think about real yeah terms as well, right? That that no vision is ever executed perfectly in the abstract because you're always dealing with the constraints of reality and this is one of those those realities, that that grace are in our next chapter is not going to build a cathedral. You know, we're not going to go out and, and say, well, Mark said our church building should be a visual proclamation of the gospel, so we're going to build this thing that perfectly represents the gospel on the outside. Uh, the, the odds of us building anything at all are mm-hmm. very slim. Uh, more than likely, our transition is going to involve moving from one existing space to another existing space and then making that space work for us in the same way that we've done in the space that we're in, which means that when it comes to the externals, there's a limited amount Mm -hmm. of control that we have. So don't hear me say that what we've got to do now is, is build the perfect church building. What we've got to do now, I think is, is figure out how to make that vision as much a reality as we can in the circumstances where God places us, right? And that's a different kind of challenge. Mm -hmm. So we're not, we're not blind to the realities. We have to take those realities into account, but in order to do that well and make good choices, we really do need a good sense of, of who we are, what our vision is. And I think this helps us do that.
1: Before we leave the realm of ideals, I want to ask one more question about, the, let's say the hypothetical of a cathedral for grace. What do you say to the objection that cathedral type churches, large ornate buildings come with baggage for some that would prevent them from wanting to, to step in? That they, they look at a building and just like you say, oh yeah, I know that's a church for sure. And I don't want to go in there. But whereas a
0: brown boxy church is maybe a little more welcoming. Well, I think that's a good point that there's, there's always a level of subjectivity in these things, right? That um, if, if we were saying, you know, the, the most hospitable form of building known to our community is a generic box. Therefore we should build that generic box to be as welcoming as possible. You know, that's a kind of logic, right? That can be an application of, of a vision as well. Um, however, I think there's something to be said for a suitedness that there's a connection between what's happening on the inside and what's happening on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I would say in Grace's experience, it's been more of a challenge to us that the people who are looking for what's happening on the inside wouldn't think to find it with this outside. Right. You know, that the, the there's an expectation people have of the kind of worship that will happen within a space and the people who are looking for the kind of worship that is so characteristic of grace, which is this, you know, word saturated, historically informed Christian worship. That's not um, just 19th or 20th century, but, but has this connectedness to the whole of the Christian tradition. If that's what I'm looking for, I wouldn't necessarily see the externals of where we're located and say, that's where I would find it. Is it the Just track the opposite? The track and field? Or right. right. I think you know, most people, yeah. right. Are yeah. surprised yeah. that this is the church that's meeting in this space. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think f- for the foreseeable future, that's a surprise. We're not going to be able to do anything about, but in an ideal world, mm-hmm. I think that the suitedness of the external to the internal would suggest being in a space that has a transcendent gesture built into it. Now that doesn't have to be like an old church building, right? I'm not saying it has to look like a cathedral or anything. I'm, I'm actually a big fan of modern architecture and I love the idea of a modern building that has built into it these ancient gestures, that uses light or makes allusions to old architecture, but doesn't have to reproduce them uh, in detail. You know, so so please don't think I'm just saying, you know, we need to just find a certain kind of building. I think there's a lot of different ways for this to work. Mm -hmm. However, the, the principle is just when we know who we are inside, there should be a connection to who we are outside. And, that who we are outside will inevitably shape who we are inside. Right. So if, if we make choices that are purely utilitarian, we shouldn't be surprised if we find ourselves becoming increasingly utilitarian in our hearts. That's, that's the, the, the meta point that I'm trying to get at.
1: So we've talked a little bit about the practicality of a new space, the aesthetics of a new space. What other considerations are you keeping in
0: mind as, as we're performing this search? I think the most important thing that people who are part of grace should understand is that from the very beginning, grace's vision has not been a vision to grow and grow and grow Mm. that From the beginning, our intention has been to plant new churches, not to just keep growing into a larger and larger church. So our ideal future is not that Grace becomes a church of 500 or 1,000 people or more. Our ideal future is that Grace becomes a church that's able to take a core group of people and a church planter send them to another part of this city Mm -hmm. and support them in the process of establishing a new church. So when we think about the needs of size, we think differently than we would if our vision involved uh, growing and growing and growing or even growing into like a a big multi-site church. That's all under one set of leaders. Mm -hmm. Like for us, the Presbyterian ideal would be to proliferate Presbyterian churches that all have their own elders, all have their own pastors, and and we're all sort of working together and in community together, but but it's not all sort of under the grace umbrella, right? Right. So uh, if you think about it this way, one of the conversations we're having now involves calling an associate pastor, uh, Dan Reed, And our hope would be that in time, with experience, we might send a core group of people from our church with a guy like Dan and establish a second church. And then through the course of their early history, Grace would be supporting them and assisting them, and we'd have this this connection that would really help establish that church. And then they would be independent of us and would you know, Lord willing, go on and do the same thing themselves. Mm-hmm. And we would too. Mm-hmm. So if that's the vision of the church, then it informs practical things like how big of a space do you need? Mm-hmm. In order to answer that question, we have to think in terms of how large of a congregation would grace need to be in order to sustain church planting that way, right. to to have a daughter church and to be able to send people from that church and to stay engaged and supportive of them throughout that process. That's not an easy question to answer with any level of specificity, right? Because you're trying to calculate, um, like how many people do you need in attendance in order to have this percentage of people actively involved, uh, to have this many people giving so that you can afford to do this, this many officers so that you can send potential officers to a new, you know, there's a lot of complexity to that, but, As we've reflected on that, we think it probably involves uh, a congregation of 300, 350, something like that. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about the space that would be our, um, let's say, ultimate worship space, it doesn't need to be larger than that. Mm -hmm. It only needs to accommodate a congregation of that size and when that space becomes full, it, it becomes a sort of trigger. It's saying, it's time, it's time. If, if you're getting full, go and plant another church. Yeah. And so knowing that that's at the heart of our vision for growth, I think it helps you see, too, that, that the, the question of space looks different in that scenario than it would if you were thinking, we'll, we'll need an ever-expanding footprint as we grow and grow and grow yeah well i started out saying
1: we had good news and bad news <laughs> to to deal with this question but really i love how the question of a new space prompts this deeper conversation about the vision of of our church grace and i've been having these conversations with you know with others in the church too and i know we're all sort of wondering okay what what do we need and who who are we you know what kind what kinds of things do we need to do by god's grace going forward and what space will accommodate that so it's it's a, again a reminder that the space matters it's not everything but the space like you said at the beginning shapes what you do and and shapes what you're able to do
0: yeah and practically speaking right now what makes this such an interesting and exciting time is the fact that it's a conversation happening throughout the church. Exactly. Right. That that you will find yourself having these talks with a lot of people. And it's not that we don't know who we are. It's not that, you know, grace isn't a defined entity that we don't have a vision that we all believe in. Of course we do. And in fact, I would say we have a vision that we believe in more than we ever have. Yeah. And more of us believe in it than have ever believed in it before. And yet when you face a new chapter, Figuring out how this applies in that that new era is kind of what makes it interesting and, yeah. and exciting. And it's an opportunity for more and more people to be engaged in this conversation. So what I would like to encourage people to do is... To get involved in that conversation, right? This is a good thing for us to be talking about. Obviously, if you're in the Sioux Falls area, keep your eyes and ears open because there's a lot of different kinds of spaces that could work for us. And anything that is a possibility is something we want to at least think about and prayerfully consider. We do have a group of people at the church who are actively working on this. Um, I keep trying to call it space force and yeah. I, I might be the only one who's still trying to make that happen but but um, we are working on this and so when you have leads when you have you know questions that bring them to anybody involved in this team and we want to follow up on that stuff uh, be in prayer that we will have wisdom as we ask these questions and that we will find the right path forward to build on what God has done in our presence and, and who he has made us and, and not to lose the things that that we cherish so much in the course of this, uh, help us to move forward in a lot of optimism and joy and not anxiety, right. Because you know, these questions often raise anxiety for a lot of us. And so we all want to be of one mind and, and unified and open as as we move forward, so all that in mind, it's an exciting time, I think, for us as a church. It's a time when our vision feels a lot more than just an abstract thing. It's something we're really actively mm-hmm. trying to bring about and lean into. But it's also a time when, uh, now more than ever, we need the members of our congregation, of our community to really enter into this dialogue because we want to all understand it and own it together. Thanks for listening to the commentary. On the Grace website, under the Listen tab, you'll find a new section called Vision Talks. Here you can find an ongoing series of short talks about the vision of Grace. The first is called Worship is What We're All About, and the second is How Big Do We Need to Be? As I do more talks, we'll add them to the list. It's a good way to keep up with the ongoing conversation about the future of our church. If you've enjoyed this episode, You can rate us on your favorite podcast app and share episodes with your friends on social media. You can subscribe to the commentary on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out more about us online, visit graceforsuefalls.org.